0: Welcome to Meet the Filmmakers at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guest moderator, Edith Bowman. Hi. Happy New Year, everyone. Hope you had a great uh, festive season. First one of the year, great to be back. And what a fantastic one to open with. Uh, I'm one of the lucky ones, I've seen the film. Uh, and it's an incredible journey. It is funny, you'll be tapping your feet, you'll be singing along, a great storyline as well. And just a few questions in there that I think you'll come out asking yourself as well. There's a a message in there. Um, But I'm gonna stop whittling on because it's about the people that are here tonight that I know you guys have got questions for. And as I always say, please don't leave it till the end when I go last question and everyone puts their hand up, get your questions in at the start. uh, Cause these men have got a lot of things to talk about and I'm sure you have a lot of questions you want to ask them before we welcome them out. uh, Let's take a look at the reason we're here.
1: I wish. I wish. I wish. I wish. You wish to have the curse reversed? Go to the wood and bring me back a cow as white as milk. These beans carry magic. The cape as red as blood. Oh dear, how uneasy I feel. The hair as yellow as corn. The slipper as pure as gold. Go to the wood!
2: And what might
0: be in your
2: basket? I must find that girl.
0: All will come to a happy end.
1: Not always.
0: Princes and castles. Why would you run away? It's not quite what I expected. Maybe I shouldn't have strayed from the path.
1: Don't you know what's out there in the world? Someone has to shield you from the
0: world. It's because of you there's a giant in our midst! It's not what I wish, it's what you wish. We have one chance.
2: Don't you see that? If we're gonna get through this, we're gonna do it
0: together. Do you love me? Why did you stray?
1: I was raised to be charming, not sincere.
0: I just want to watch it again. Um, please give a huge round of applause for the director, Rob Marshall, and James Corden. <laughs> Welcome, gents. How are you? You too? Um, hey. I've got to say, congratulations. Uh, you know, it's, it's been out in the States. Biggest opening for a musical in history. Uh, You've got to be happy with that.
1: That's crazy. <laughs> I had, we didn't expect that. I don't know why. I it's a Sondheim musical, you know. It's 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 kind of you know not um, the big mega musical that some musicals are, you know, like Les Mis or or even Mamma Mia kind of thing, you know. So just to have that opening was thrilling, and it's it's because it stars James Corden is why. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's a big draw to American audiences. Yeah, it really is. They really come out for me.
0: (laughs) There is so much about this film. There's the music, there's the story, there's the cast, there's the connection, there's the chemistry. Uh, There's so much here. But for you, Rob, this is something that's been um, a kind of a long time coming, something you've wanted to be involved in for a while. Um, How did it eventually come round to happening now?
1: Well, gosh, you know, I, I remember when I finished Pirates of the Caribbean. John DeLuca, who produces with me, and, and Mark Platt as well. Um, John said to me, we talked about what's next, you know? And he said, well, what do you love? He said, what do you love? And, uh, and I love Into the Woods. I've always loved Into the Woods. I thought it, it's such a, a beautiful piece, so joyful, so funny, um, so clever and smart, and profound. I think it's an a, a incredibly profound piece that I think everybody can see uh, from a different place. I mean, even kids see it, take it from their level, and adults can see it from a different place. And I think all all of that in one piece was sort of amazing. So I called, you know, I called James Lapine and Stephen Sondheim, and said I'd love to do this. And they said, you know, we'd love you to do it, but we'd love you to get it made because it. it, I think they tried to make it Mm -hmm. a few times in the 90s, and it never had happened.
0: So why do you think, and do you think, I think, for me, I think it's a combination of all these things. It's these people that you've got involved in it. And I know, James, you were involved early on, even at the table reading, when you were trying to sell it to people as well. And Rob, you showed a real kind of confidence to James as well in terms of saying to him, you know, if we get this made, you're going to be this character, which for you must have been a great thing to take forward into that role, James.
2: Oh, it's amazing. I I, 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 I I mean, just on your first point about why did it not get made earlier and and has been made now is i, I w- honestly and i would say it it would be easier to say it if he wasn't here <laughs> but the um the truth is the only difference between then and now is this man here there is i i honestly don't know i i genuinely don't and there are and we're talking about a world full of the most gifted directors ever i don't know if if anyone else could have made this film. I don't know if there is a more skilled, not just filmmaker, but storyteller, to understand the nuances of it as a musical. Because when the show is on and was on in Broadway and plays all over the world, it's, a, it's about three hours and five minutes, I think. And Rob was painfully aware that that was too long for, the, for a film to be. But to cut it to two hours, and not lose a beat of story, or a moment of heart, or a moment of emotion in it, to the point where even, you know, you've got people from like the Stephen Sondheim Society going, I don't really remember what you've cut. Is <laughs> is so deft to be able to do it that 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 is genuinely the thing. It would not exist, and it could not exist without him. It's as simple as that. The cast, we could all. There are other actors could do it, you know, just as well. There are other. DOPs, there are all of those things, but without the vision of a filmmaker who understands musicals and understands audiences and understands that three hours is is too long and that these are the cuts that are needed, it just wouldn't exist.
0: And understanding as well of taking something from the theatre onto the big screen—that's that, that's that's a, a technique that not a lot of people can do and do well, and something you you've managed to achieve so brilliantly.
1: Well, bef- James, that's so unbelievably generous and kind. And let me just say. Not to con- completely trade compliments, but let me just say one thing: I don't think this could have been made without with anyone else playing the Baker, because the range of what James shows in this film is extraordinary, and I don't know anyone else could, who can do that, and that's why I knew that james was was going to play this role because Justin
2: Bieber Justin Bieber <laughs> if he gained a little weight. He'd not be, not he'd in
0: a be waistcoat. Justin Bieber doesn't do waistcoats. He'd be, <laughs> right, he'd be perfect. Let me just say
1: the, tr- <laughs> the truth. See, I loved having him with me every day. Can you imagine what a joy that was for me? But, um, I mean, if just look at the performance and see the range and the skill. I mean, of course the humor and, of course, the physical humor, which we know. But to see the depth of emotion and the vulnerability and the strength That he gains in this piece and the arc of his character and the magnificent singing voice to see him play that and play the everyman and let us take the journey with him is really hard and james does it brilliantly and i am so lucky to have him in as the center of this film
0: Shall we see a couple of clips then to prove that? Yeah. Yes, let's see it. Uh, The first clip we're gonna see is, uh, well, it's a really nice little insight into the brilliant chemistry between you and Emily Blunt on on, on screen as well. Uh, And then we have someone else who arrives uh, mid-scene as well. Have a look at this. You've got the cape. What have you done with the cow? She ran away. What? Never even reached home. I've been looking for her all night. How could you? Well she might just as easily have run away from you. Yeah, but she didn't. Yeah, but she might have but done. But she didn't. But she might but have done ah! Chairs. Cow's gone! Get it back!
2: Get it back! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, we, we were just about to, to do that, but here. In the meantime.
1: Get away to... from me with that, you fool! I can't touch it. Remember. Right. No, I forgot. By midnight tomorrow, bring me the items. Or that child you wish for. We'll never see the
2: light of day. Ah! I don't like that one.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to ask about about shooting because from watching it, you kind of you feel like you're in that wood with them. You're kind of in that on that journey that they take. What what was the reality of that in terms of where you shot? Did you? You shoot on location, do you shoot in studio? Is it combination? How, how how did it work?
2: Well that's actually the best example. We were just talking about this um in in the room back there, that uh, that's the best example of, of the two worlds that we shot in actually, because you wouldn't even see it. I can't even really see which bits were which, but uh we shot some of it out in real woods in like Great Windsor Park and Richmond and things, and then um and then parts of it were on this huge sound stage that Rob got built, which genuinely it's probably four times the size of this store, I would imagine. You you couldn't see the back wall. It was just like two football pitches of just woods. But what was amazing was it would you would go up things and down bits and round corners and, and with real trees uh in there and so we would we would shoot on both. But parts of that scene are shot on the stage and parts of that scene are shot in the woods. And it's a credit to the design team really that you can't I mean, I don't I don't remember which bits are which, but I know that there are a bits in there. Yeah.
0: And we've got another clip as well, which is, is, is another a great little scene with, with you and Emily we're going to watch right now. Beans? Oh, no, we mustn't give up our beans. Well, if you feel that we must. Beans in exchange for my cow? Oh, no, son. These are no ordinary beans. These
1: beans, they carry magic. Magic? What kind of magic? Tell them.
2: It's, Tell uh... It's it's a magic that defies description. Yes.
0: How many beans?
2: Six. The five. five.
0: They're worth a pound each, at least.
1: Mm.
0: Could I buy my cow back someday? Well...
2: Yes. Possibly. So, yeah, this seems like we've made a fair trade. Okay, here you go. There's one, two, three, four, five. All right, well, good luck and uh, pleasure doing business with you.
1: I want to ask Just about lying <laughs> to a child. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, rehearsal for this, um, because did you the vocals? They s- seamless, seem like they're, they're done live. It's all sung live as you're doing it. Was that again the reality, or, or did you go into? Was there were the vocals all done beforehand in a in a recording studio and things? Um, and then
1: a combination. I mean, we we did record everything up front, but then when we got to the stage to shoot, or outside, we made the decision what to shoot live, what not to. I mean, the key is, it's what James was just saying about the set, you should never know. It should all feel live. I mean, for sure, when they sang, they sang with themselves. Even if, you know, you always sing. So you're singing, whether we choose to use that recorded sound or not is up to us. And it all had to do with what felt, you know, you can do that in a scene where you're protected in a soundstage kind of thing. It's harder to do that on a waterfall, for instance, yeah. when you have water go. You know, but the, the key is, it should all feel live. And, and they're singing. I mean, the great thing about the rehearsal period that you mentioned was it's during that time that you actually create the piece. And we had no other choice because we, we had a very tight schedule and a tight budget, as you know. And so the only way to do it was to really be prepared. And when we would show up on the day, we knew what we were doing. It wasn't like, well, what are we gonna do today? And let's start thinking about staging it. And Everybody was so there, so you're already at that level. So then there was a freedom to the work, to watch James and Meryl, for instance, and Emily in that scene. There was a freedom to that work because we'd already explored it, you know? So that it could go to the next level on film.
0: We don't have a clip of it, but there's a great scene that involves you and Emily as well where you roll down a, a, a little hill. Yeah. And uh, and I was lucky enough to speak to these two about the film priorities. And one of the things that I loved about the film was I guess people would see them as imperfections, but for me, it's just, it's it's reactions and it's honesty and it's things, whether it be Emily laughing in the middle of a song, in between you know, her singing a line, or, or the two of you laughing as you tumble down this hill and stuff. And that just makes the journey more real as you're in it with... With, with the people watching sort of thing. was Did you kind of encourage that? And I guess those are things that you discover along the way as well as you're filming. Uh,
1: what a beautiful thing to say. I mean, for me, that's the magic. You wait for those kinds of things to happen. You wait for those, those moments that are impromptu that happen. Listen, the end of that, you're talking about a number called It Takes Two that James and Emily do so beautifully. And at the end of it, there's, they slide down a hill together and kiss, and that's the choreography, and that's what we rehearsed, and that's what we shot. But on this particular take that you see in the film, they fall and don't, and kind of slide and fall on top of each other, and are laughing, and and use that, and then go into the kiss, and it's so in the moment, and that's what you're looking for. I mean, I don't like perfect films; I like imperfection. I like that. I like that. You know, the uh, that you hear laughing when you're singing, you feel character. I mean, that's the joy of it. It's also the joy of Stephen Sondheim
2: because the, the greatest thing about all of his work, and I think particularly in this, there is... And I'm a huge musical theatre fan, you know, as is Rob, and, and I mean this with the greatest respect to musicals that I love, but there are lots of musicals where you could essentially take out a song from one show and quite easily put it into another, and it wouldn't feel out of place. And I think the greatest thing about Stephen Sondheim's work is that's just never the case, and there is never a song for a song's sake. And the songs always drive the story, and they always come from a place of character. So it never really feels like you're doing a song. It feels like you're just doing a scene. So those moments that are captured, those moments, like you say, of Emily laughing, us falling into these moments... They're, they're coming com- completely organically from the moment because you're never thinking, oh, I have to hit this mark on that thing. It's all coming from a place of truth that's driving a story forward. And um, so when you match that together with a great DOP, with a great director, it, it all just seems to... It all feels natural, whatever it is you're feeling, you know? Yeah.
1: But it's this cast. I mean, I have to say, you, you can't put that into ev- anyone's hands. These, this cast was so brilliant... So funny. I mean, can you imagine how funny this cast was? Um, And they brought that to life. And I loved every moment of that. And I wanted to feel that. and And I think you see that in the film. I think you feel that it's a company. Very much so. It certainly
2: felt like that. I've never... I don't think I've ever done anything... I don't think I've ever done anything where I've been so aware... Of how special it is—the very thing I'm experiencing at that time. Normally, you only really enjoy things retrospectively. You look back and go, "Oh, I was having a great time then." But, but this, um, this—it was clear every day where you thought, "Well, this is just a thing I have to cherish," you know.
0: Yeah. The um, the you mentioned, I think, at the start, the waterfall scene with the two print. I mean, to see Chris Pine in this role as well is—I mean, it's just hilarious he's He's incredible
2: he's a little too funny for my liking (laughs) like like you can't be that good looking like it's different if you're me right if you're me on this film and you're in a film with chris pine billy magnuson who is gorgeous and johnny depp you're like okay well at least i can be funny And then, and then Chris Pine rocks up with this hilarious performance. You're like, I'm sorry. And he's a great guy. It's just <laughs> unacceptable to be that beautiful, <laughs> to be that beautiful, that funny, and that nice a guy. It's like, it's, it's enough to make you really hope he doesn't have a terrible accident.
0: <laughs> Down a waterfall.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, did they not slip? Oh, that's a shame. <laughs>
0: Um, I have this image of you at Air Studios with this orchestra recording these vocals and stuff. Was that a special moment, being there? Because I I know you love to sing. Um,
2: Well, singing and dance (laughs) is my life. You know this. Um, I I feel like I might have... Because I've never really been in a studio like that before. I sort of think I might have been taking it for granted until you're there with Stephen Sondheim and he's going... I can't believe I'm hearing this music like this. Like, the orchestra was too big for the live room. It was So they had to put all the percussion in the basement with, like, Skype computers <laughs> because it was too big. So the sound is so lush. And they were great days, weren't they? Just Jonathan Tunick doing the orchestrations and just sitting, you know, and, like... You know, Stephen Sondheim's there, so you immediately sort of shit yourself. And then... <laughs> and then it's all right because the <laughs> days are so long and it, you go into the night and it's ah, it's a wonderful thing to be part of
1: but the beautiful thing was this cast was aware of that i think you know no one took it for granted we n- know and knew how few and far between musicals are made for film anyway and then a stephen sondheim musical is so rare and it's a really a gift for actors and I think everybody was aware the entire time we were shooting that we were part of this very special thing. And um, that, that never left, and it still hasn't left. Mm. I mean, I, I feel that even when we're together, like we're together for the premiere tomorrow in, here in London, we love seeing each other. It's a very special group and, um, and you know, rare.
0: I said to these two before that it has to be performed live at the Royal Albert Hall with everyone and with a lot of... Anywhere. Or, uh, I would do I or anywhere. Just go on tour with it. It's just amazing. It's yeah. brilliant. Right, enough of me going on about it. Well, let's get some questions from this lovely audience that we have. So, as I said, don't leave it till the end uh, when I say last question and everyone puts their hands up. Let's go with these two lovely people first. Lady with the glasses first. Um, my questions for both of you, really. Um, myself and my friend here, we both study film. And I know my friend's particularly interested in writing and I want to be a director or a producer. And I was wondering what both of your advice would be to aspiring people in those trades?
2: Um, d- uh, well, uh, mine would be, don't give up, right? And I'll tell you why, because I'm going to read you something now that I, I got sent the other day, and I... Um, hang on, Keep I just clean, have to find James. it. No, Keep no, no it it's clean. clean, it's clean, <laughs> it's very clean. So this is a... Uh, I'm going to read you this. So this is a letter from the comedy st- script editor of light entertainment uh, at a television network. Subject, Faulty Towers by John Cleese and Connie Booth. I'm afraid I thought this one as dire as its title. It's a kind of Prince of Denmark of the hotel world, (laughs) a collection of cliches and stock characters which I can't see being anything but a disaster. And then it's signed by the guy and that was a rejection that John Cleese got for Faulty Towers, which is genuinely the greatest sitcom that's ever been made. So I guess the only advice I've got for you is don't give up. Because if you never give up, you can't really fail. So just don't stop. And it will be really hard. And there's screw-ups coming your way. There's nothing you can do about it. They're coming for you. <laughs> but just keep going and know that the people that do, do. And the people that don't, don't. You know?
1: Perfect answer.
0: There we go. Okay. Did you have another question? Or was she asking that for book? There we go. He's got another one. Okay. Um, Obviously, the History
2: Boys went from stage to screen. Would you ever think about making One Man, Two Governors as a film? I don't think it would work, actually. I think think it it relies so much on uh, an interactivity with the audience, is the thing that makes that play so unique. And I think if you take that out... Um, it, it just I, I can't see that it could ever work as a film. It, it, so much of it is about breaking that fourth wall and doing this to an audience and feeling like you're all in it together and this is only happening now. The things that are going wrong have never happened before and you not quite knowing what's unique to tonight or happened that afternoon. And, I, and for that reason, I don't think it, it ever could. Um, Yeah, I don't, I I think it would probably, if that guy's email had replied to that, he would have been bang on, I reckon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, lady down the front, I'll come to you in a sec. Actually, do you want to give the microphone to this lady here and then we'll pass it along to the middle. Thank you. Um, My question is
2: basically, I've seen the Broadway musical several, several times and it's one of my most favourites. What was it like taking those characters who all experience very sticky, kind of very adult, kind of endings and very realistic endings and trying to make it more f- i guess family friendly in the movie.
1: Well, it's interesting we never we didn't really do that. I mean, I, I th- uh, you know, that's a temptation to do that, but we didn't. We were very aware of the fact that we needed to do into the woods as a film that would make that would work for us. And that's that's what we focused on. That's why I brought James Lapine who wrote the original to write the screenplay and Stephen Sondheim worked with us the entire time because we wanted to make sure we reimagined it as a film, but of course kept the central core of what the piece is. And um, very important, I mean, I think the biggest change, I would say, um, a few of the biggest changes were casting real children as Little Red and Jack, and I think that was important. I think it's important because I believe the piece is about parents and children. And so to have a 35-year-old Little Red Riding Hood would not have really worked. (laughs) And then, you know, and then of course, the two-act structure on stage, which is up to happily ever after and then later, happily ever after later, does it work on film? Um, so you have to figure out a way to collapse that and condense that and make that work as a piece, but it felt incredibly comforting um, and reassuring to have James Lapine and Stephen Sondheim creating it with me, and, and, and that, was, that was really the goal. Um, in fact, many times I found myself being the person that was saying, don't touch that, you know, I mean, the, yeah. you know, that was that happened a lot because they said, "Well, we wrote it before; we'll write it again." And I said, "No, no, no, that works. Anything that worked, we held on to and kept."
0: What was their reaction when they saw it, the finished film for the first time?
1: Oh my gosh! They, they said, um, they said, "Thank you." That's what they said right away. They said, "Thank you." I think because they were, you know, it takes a lot to be able to see something new. But because they were part of the process as well, I think they were just thrilled that it was working as a movie as opposed to, you know, because sometimes stage productions don't work on film. But the key element is to reimagine them. I mean, yes, you hold on to what works, but the the stage piece will live forever. But you have to, I think you do the stage play a disservice if you don't reimagine it as a film. Yeah. You know, because it's a different medium.
0: Okay, can you pass the microphone along to the lady here? Thank you. She's excited to ask a question, I can tell. Thank you. I (laughs) wanted the microphone. Um, (laughs) I actually have a question for each of you, if that's all right. Of course it is. Um, Mr. Marshall, I was wondering what um, level of involvement you like to have in the casting process and if there's something specific you look for in an actor. And Mr. Corden, um, they've kind of covered other aspects of film, but I'm a young actor. So I was wondering what advice you have for kind of climbing up the ladder of success and how you've gotten to such a successful time in your career.
2: Um, I mean, <sighs> I don't know. It's <laughs> it's as much a mystery to me as it is <laughs> to any of you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I d- I mean, I guess I just I never really I never really envisaged uh, a a a path down any other road. Than the than the one I've gone down. However many bumps you might hit along the way, I just you know I used to used to have this thing. I don't know if it that like you grew up in America, right? Where yeah. where you would have like careers advice meetings with someone at your school, and you I would say, well, I'm going to be an actor, and they'd go, well, you need to find something to fall back on, <laughs> and I'd go, well, no, because <laughs> that would have an element of doubt, really, mm-hmm. and that's it. Really, I, I I mean, and I sort of hit a I hit a block in my career where I was, not um, when I was in the History Boys. Actually, I would come into work. It was the hottest play in London, and I'd come into work, and all the boys would have endless film scripts under their arm, like Dominic Cooper, you know, so beautiful, would have just like, oh, I don't know whether to do this or that, and I would get like, the the scene, I would get the two pages of the script to to play the guy who drops off a TV to Hugh Grant in a movie <laughs> or, um, or is like the news agent in something. And I always thought that I would perhaps get a chance. It, like, uh, it felt like an industry was saying, oh, no, no, we think you're good, but you know, every now and then you'll play like a bubbly barrister in Judge John Deed, you know? <laughs> um, and so I, I sort of thought, well, if those things aren't going to come, I'm just going to have to write a TV show. For myself and me and Ruth Jones who was feeling quite in a similar place to me. So we just wrote a show that just happened to f- click into this thing which no one could... It became something so much greater than anyone could have ever thought it would. And and then it's sustaining it. It's sustaining it is the thing. But, but I mean my only advice would be like acting is the reward. That's it. Acting is the reward. It's not money... It's not fame. It's not any of the trappings that that, that look like they come with it. It's just the actual doing of it. If you can act and perform and eat and have a roof over your head, then you are already in the luckiest 2% of the planet. Like, acting's the thing. Don't ever think past that. Don't think, oh, but I want to be a a huge movie star. I want to think, are you acting? Are you getting to do it? Because so many people dream of it and still don't every day. And that's it,
1: I think.
0: That that's, that's so wild. true. So and,
1: just the, and, and, the, and the quick casting question, just real quick. I just want to say that, yes, of course, I'm involved in every single... Uh, it's so important. I mean, it's the, it's the film. There's
2: nothing he's not involved in. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't
1: grind the lenses for the film <laughs> himself. <laughs> but I mean, the great joy for me, and this is my hope always is, is that, is that I don't actually have to do any work when it comes to casting because the person that comes in claims the role and says, this is mine. That's what happened with James. James says, this is my role. Emily Blunt, Chris Pine, all these people said, Anna Kendrick said, this is my role and, 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 took, and brought it to a place I never imagined it could be. There was not even a question that anybody else would play this role but James Corden.
0: How did you manage to convince Merle, though, to step out of the no witch rule? That's what I want to know. Because that was the thing she had. I didn't know
1: she had that rule when I asked her (laughs) to do this. That would have been harder. Um, She said yes so quickly. She said yes so quickly. I think she was thrilled to do a Stephen Sondheim musical. That was something she wanted to do. And when you see that combination of that amazing talent with this extraordinary material, it's like nothing else. I mean, it's sort of extraordinary to watch.
0: Okay, next question. Can you pass the microphone back to that gentleman there?
1: Um, this is for
2: James. Would you be able to sing us a quick verse <laughs> from one of the songs in the movie? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't feel pressurized, um,
2: James. Th- what do I say? I say, uh, wait a minute, magic, beans for a cow so old that you had to tell a lighter salad which you sold were they worthless, beans were they over, sold on and sell a super you to steal that gold. Yes, it's your fault. Wow! <laughs> yeah!
0: Okay, next question. We haven't got much time. Anyone else with questions over there? Oh, we have two over here. Can we get the microphone quickly back over here? Well, you just done. don't ever
2: forget it though, do you? It's the weirdest thing, it takes a lifetime to learn. I'll know that when I'm dead. <laughs> like bef- like <laughs> 10 minutes before I die, I'll be able to recite that.
0: It's because he writes like no other. There's the, the melodies that... It's the, the, hard the it's, to learn and
2: once it's in, it never goes.
0: Okay, sir, what's your question?
2: I, um, James, you mentioned at the beginning where you are saying that all of the songs are necessary for the driving of the narrative. And my question is really looking at the translation into cinema, how those, um, how those songs play a special role when the whole film is on a magical terrain. So normally you could kind of say that the song in a, in a, in a cinematic um, musical allows the characters to resolve the problem that couldn't be resolved um, in dialogue. But if, you're kind of, if you've got the whole terrain as magical realism almost, how do, you, how do you make those songs special? Well, I think um, that's where Stephen Sondheim and James the Pine are so smart, is that, what, yes, it is all set in a magical terrain, and yet at the heart of it are the, the most ordinary couple you could ever find, if you like, who become extraordinary through the journey they go on. So... It's always rooted in a place of absolute realism, you know. Um, essentially, mine and Emily's character are just representing the audience. We are their representatives in these woods. So as soon as you can put a sense of normality in it, I think it's very. It, I think it's re- it. It becomes a lot easier to tell a musical tale. Um, Frozen is a good example of that, actually, where there's this very, very uh, magical presence who has this thing bestowed on her where she can turn things to ice or whatever, but her sister is very, very ordinary going, do you want to build a snowman? So And it, it's, tho- it's those eyes and ears that allow you to take those curves, I think. Do you think, Rob? 100%. That
1: I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, the truth is um, these ca- could be played as two-dimensional characters because they don't even have names. <laughs> the baker and his wife, you know, that's, the, that's it. Um, and the prince and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is the only way to play this, I felt, and, and it's something that we worked very hard on, was to make sure that they were played like real people. Because you're asked to follow their stories and care about them, especially as it gets darker and it goes towards the end of the piece. You're asked to really root for them and feel for them and care for them. And the great thing about this cast is that they brought such dimensionality to it such depth to it, such truth to it, that you feel for them. You r- really feel for the baker and his wife. You feel for Cinderella. You feel for all these people because they're flawed and not perfect, and they're real. And I think the material is exactly what James said. The materi- it's inherent in the material, but it's also this cast who brings such truth to it.
0: Thank you. Uh, and lady there, the question? Hi, James. Um, I just wondered, is it true that you're going to be moving to America? And are you going to try and fit in any Broadway shows while you're there?
2: what, fitting to be in them.
0: As in, are you going to be doing any, or...?
2: Um, well, I can't for a bit, but, um, yeah, I'll move to America tomorrow. I'll move tomorrow. Um, and exciting. And then I'll... But I'll be back to do stuff here. I have, to, I have to do a show called A League of the Run, which I'll shoot here, and i have to do this TV show for a little bit. And then, really, really, my dream after that is... I've sort of set a time limit in my head of how long I'll do that show for. Um... And then, I mean, it will probably it will be cancelled before then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure of that. Let's be clear. But then, um, then I, I, I've sort of set a, a rule in my head that I would want to do if I was ever given the chance and the opportunity to do a play or a musical, like every 18 months, whether that's here or in New York. It's um, I love I love the theatre. I love a day that has a point and a purpose that moves to a a thing and i also think it's the thing that keeps you supple and fresh so i hope it uh, at some point i hope so so much yes
0: would you write something for the theater for yourself
2: um i i'm not for myself i don't think i could write a a i i yeah i i've i've been trying to write a play for about 3 years it's, it's stuck in a permanent brick wall at the moment but if i can get through that um just a, a very, very small play. But I've been trying to write it for quite a while. I, I, you know, just for myself, really. Not to be in, but, you know, we'll see yeah. if I can ever get over the hellish hurdle <laughs> that it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you have any more questions from our audience? Two over there, and I think that's... Is there another one? That's two there, and then, yeah, there we go.
2: James, congrats on the OBE. I uh, just wondered Oh, what yes. your, uh, oh my uh, gosh,
1: that. how Qu- Someone change teams. the poster! Did, uh, <laughs> what was your initial reaction when you got the news? Did you get news earlier before it was announced? Or? Um,
2: yeah, you get a letter about, I don't know, like a month ago? You get a letter saying, you've been put forward for this. Uh, if you were to be given it, would you accept it? Um, and your first thought is that there are so many people who are far more deserving of this than I. That's just a fact. But, and then I, I, I it says you shouldn't tell anyone, but I opened it with my wife, so I couldn't, <laughs> you know. I think that's all right, isn't it? Um, and I, I talked about it with her, and I, and I sort of thought, well, I'm from Holmer Green Upper School in High Wycombe. And I have two GCSEs above C. And I have one U. So, uh, (laughs) European Studies. So, um, (laughs) pointless, pointless. Um, And so I... And then you think, well... You can't help but think about what this will mean to my parents who have sacrificed so much growing up for me to be able to be sat here now with a director like this, of driving me to singing lessons, drama lessons, all of these things, paying money that they didn't have, um, that you're not aware that your parents don't have when you're that age, you know, and, uh, and what it would mean for them to be given such a thing. And then I thought, yes, I, have to, I oh, should accept so this, excited. yeah. But, it, my, but when I told my dad, he said, you know what it stands for, right? It stands for other blokes' efforts. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: and he said an MBE stands for many blokes' efforts. So, yeah.
0: Amazing, and I think we've got the last question from this lady here. Um, so, apart from the Broadway musical, where did you get your inspiration to play the baker? And also, likewise with the directing, where did you get your inspiration from to make the film? James, do you wanna
2: go first? Um, I, well, I mean, it's all there on the page. Is the truth? It's it's there on the page who he is. He. Um, I think I was very pleased. A lot of it, a lot of his uh, de- sense of the core in the film is about fatherhood, uh, his lack of a father in his life, and his impending fatherhood in the film, and whether he is capable of this task ahead. And I, I very much related to that, and I was pleased that I was a father at the moment that that we shot the film because you can't really explain the indifference you have towards children I- I- until you've sort of had one, you know, or your friend's indifference. It's like, oh, well done, you've had a baby and you don't, like, and like, it's it's you know, it's, there is a change that happens so I was very relieved to have had that and, and you know, I hate to keep coming back to it, but you're just steered by your director, like, that's it you're, you're steered by uh, to have a director who knows it so intrinsically, who says to you I feel like it should be more here, perhaps. And you find it together, really. He's in a team with every single member of the cast individually. He has a relationship with every single person. And and, uh, that's all you're listening to, really, is that.
1: I mean, I was, I guess, inspired mostly um, by the filmmakers that have inspired me over the years. And in terms of musicals, it's... Vincent Minnelli and Stanley Donen and George Cukor and Bob Fosse and Robert Wise and I, I th- those those are the directors that I studied, learned from, loved watching, and and you know I believe in the musical as a a, a film musical as a genre. You know I know when I did the film Chicago years ago I. I was told many times this genre is dead and no one was to come see it and no one cares about it anymore and all they really want to see is animated musicals and i never believed it because i grew up with those great musicals and and i love them and felt that it's not about the genre itself it's about the execution and the care and the, you know and how you do it and and i and i hope that that was the case um and so i was lucky enough with chicago to sort of open the door a little for musicals and i think it's helped over the years and certainly helped us make this film
0: have you got a favorite musical apart from into the woods stage or film, stage.
1: Um,
0: or film no favorite film film musical well my favorite mu-
2: film musical is chicago genuinely i remember i can i remember when i remember watching it i, re- I remember I, I don't think there's a film musical i've seen more And I remember how I felt when I watched it, because it had been so long since I'd seen. In fact, I'd never seen a musical in the cinema. I'd only ever seen, like, Grease, you know, and stuff. And I remember watching it and just being, like, oh, my god. Like that, Uh, you know, Cicero. I I really remember it. So, like, I walked out of that cinema just feeling like the most empowered woman I've ever (laughs) felt like. I really did. Like, I got in the car, like, he had it coming. (laughs) He had, like, it's amazing. It's a masterpiece. It really is. Um, So that's my favourite film. My favourite stage musical I have... um, I love a musical Got A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, which is a Sondheim musical that I, I, I absolutely love. And She'll be starring
1: in sometime soon.
2: I hope so. And, uh, and another show called a ki- uh, called Kiss of the Spider Woman, which is a candor and air musical, which Rob actually choreographed when it was on Broadway and here in London. And I, I don't know why I remember it so vividly, but when I saw it in the West End, I had like a phenomenal reaction to it. And uh, uh, it's, um, it's got some beautiful songs in it, is the truth. Yeah.
0: Um, you guys can see this one for the ninth of j- ninth of this month, ninth of January. Hang on, uh, what's your favorite
2: oh, yeah, musical? Oh yeah, Rob. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Oh goodness. Um, let me think. Uh, I guess my favorite film musical is, like everyone else's, I believe, is Singing in the Rain because oh, I think it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect, and it was created for film, which yeah. I think is interesting. You know, some of the great ones like Bandwagon and Gigi and even meet me in St. Louis or Easter parade those were all created for film which i what think is What was West
0: Side Story was that created for film? That was, was a f- that was a play, play for it? a musical okay. on
1: stage first and then became yeah mm-hmm. then became a film and i guess on stage it could be West Side Story or Gypsy i think maybe for me i just think those are sort of masterpieces
0: Um congratulations so far and i think with this is well this film it just feels like you've I don't know. There's a whole new generation of people who are going to fall in love with with musical theatre through film as well. Through this, this, you know. And you say that people telling you that this no one's going to watch this before when you were talking about Chicago and stuff like that. This has almost just reopened that door, I think, for people. It's it's absolutely incredible. Congratulations, and you guys can see it from the 9th of January. Please, huge oh, round applause. Thank for you. James. Thank, much. You're thank so you. You're wonderful. So lovely.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs>